Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Welcome, it is uh, the Mark Levin Show, Ben Ferguson, filling in for the great one. Happy New Year. He will be back with you in a couple of days, and uh, I'll be holding down the fort today. So rarely, and I brought this in, can, Mr. Producer, can you hear this? Can you, you can hear that. You know what that is, don't you? That is something that's going extinct, an actual newspaper, a real one. I have a real newspaper. I, I get newspapers about once a year now, usually on New Year's, because I want to see what the newspapers say about the last year. So today, I decided to look at a couple newspapers. I was looking at the Wall Street Journal and just, you know, seeing kind of what they had to report and what they had to say about the new year moving forward. I looked at the Wall Street Journal, looked at a couple local newspapers as well. And what I realized looking at these newspapers is, and, and friends, you know, this show's national. It's all over the country. I'm not, what I'm about to say is going to offend some of you. It has not been on purpose. I'm just stating the facts here. We live in two different Americas. We do. We live in two different Americas. We live in an America of the haves and the have-nots. We live in parts of this country where you have people that are flourishing, and you have parts of this country where people are fleeing. Fleeing is a place that you could call by the name of California. What is happening there? People are fleeing. In fact, there was an article written this last week about how all the people fleeing the the, the hellhole of California – and I'm talking about their government structure, their bureaucracy, their, their overtaxation and lack of representation, their government fraud and abuse and waste and socialized programs and feces on the streets and weed smoke in the air. People are leaving that place, that's a different America, and are moving, which is the weirdest thing ever, to Texas. Because in Texas, there's actual freedom. You can still, like, own a gun, and you don't have to worry about someone selling your kids weed out of a food truck and people saying it's basically legal. And what I noticed from looking at the headlines is there are two very different Americas. Give you a great example. Can't believe I'm reading this out of the newspaper. USA Today today. Legal weed sales begin in Illinois. More than 11,000 convicts have been pardoned. It's a new year, and for Illinois, a new era of recreational marijuana. Weed dispensaries across the state open their doors before sunrise Wednesday. By the way, this is when you know that you live in one of those other states I was referring to as the have-nots. You'll understand by the end of this article. Weed dispensaries across the state open their doors before sunrise Wednesday, welcoming long lines of customers, some of who have been waiting since 4 a.m. If you're waiting at 4 a.m. to buy weed... There's your sign on why you're probably a disaster in your own personal life. Just going to throw it out there. Cheers to lighting up the start of 2020. One person wrote on Facebook, 
Under Illinois' new law, anyone over 21 with a valid state ID or driver's license can purchase pot from a licensed retailer for recreational use. Residents may legally possess up to 30 grams of cannabis flour, 5 grams of concentrate, and 500 milligrams of THC in products such as edibles. Non-Illinois residents in the state may possess up to only half as much as residents because Illinois moved there and will let you get higher than people that don't live here. That's literally what they're offering their citizenry. I'm not joking. This is their law. And this goes back to the haves and the have-nots. If you're in a state where the best thing they offer you is double the amount of weed consumption, you need to move. That is not a state that you honestly really want to live in. That government in that state is terrible. I'm not saying that Illinois isn't a beautiful state. I'm not saying it's an amazing you know, place to visit. I love the Cubs, okay? I love the White Sox. I, I, I'm not, I love hockey. I'm, I'm just saying I love water and the Great Lakes and everything else. I, I think it's amazing. What I am saying is if the best thing that your state is offering you going into 2020 with a new law is that you can get doubly high as someone from out of state can, you need to really look at what's going on in your state. The law also includes a social equity plan. Again, this is when we, I say we have two Americas. States that are socialists and suck, like, like Illinois, and other states that are amazing, that don't actually sell you this. Here's the social equality plan to improve diversity in the weed industry. You ready for this? They're giving a leg up to, quote, minority entrepreneurs who they claim in the state of Illinois are disproportionately impacted by poverty and the war on drugs. So this new law that went into effect January 1 expunges certain drug-based criminal records and establishes a fund through the weed sales to provide financial resources for business startups to get in the weed business. Illinois' Governor J.B., Whatever, how do you, Mr. Producer, how do you say his last name? I, I, I don't want to say a bad, is it, is it Prickstar, Prickster, Pricks, Prickster, Prickstar, whatever his name is. Rang in 2020 by granting more than 11,000 criminals who had marijuana convictions pardons. Quote, the war on cannabis has destroyed families. It has filled jails and prisons with nonviolent offenders, the governor said. It has disproportionately affected black and brown communities. He said this at a news conference on Chicago's South Side. That's where a lot of people get killed, by the way. So you got a governor who wants you to know that in one of the have-not parts of America, the best thing we have to offer you is if you're a resident of Illinois, we'll get you twice as high as a non-resident and we will also tell you we're going to give money to minorities so that they can get in the weed business. Because it's unfair how often they haven't been in the weed business. Every state has, that has legalized cannabis has seen high demand and long lines in its earliest weeks. And to be sure, our state will too, the governor said. But unlike other states, in Illinois, we purposely built a system where the market has room to grow. So we're going to grow more weed than anybody else. So that entrepreneurs, the governor said, including especially those from the communities devastated by the war on drugs, will have real opportunity in this industry. So let me get this straight. You're saying and admitting that African-American communities, and I'm going to use your words here, 
have been devastated by drugs. So therefore, what you're going to do is allow them to produce more drugs. What the hell is wrong with you people in Illinois? You elected this guy. He says now that African-Americans, and and by the way, this is the definition of racism. If you are a governor and you look at the black and brown community and you tell them that your best opportunity you're going to give them is to grow weed, that is literally the definition of racism. And when you call it what he called it, quote, the communities devastated by the war on drugs will have real opportunities in this industry. So we're going to get black people and Hispanic people into drug industry. And that is what we, the governor of Illinois and the people of Illinois, should be excited about. And that's what you should be clapping for moving into 2020. This is their plan. You want to know that this is, this is you know, when I look at 2020 moving forward, and this is the reason why I actually got these newspapers today. I wanted to see what what the media was selling to people as hope for the new year. And they're, they're, they're selling weed and getting people into drugs as a positive thing in Illinois. Same thing they've done in the 11 other states where they've legalized weed. And they'd sell this as, oh, you don't understand. This is a great thing. This is so good for you. Now, what is it really about? I'll tell you exactly what it's about. The places that are doing this are broke. They've run out of ideas, folks. You, you look at the business and finance section of the Wall Street Journal. Stocks end year with momentum. Energy producers face big tabs after Shell Bonanza. Japan looking good for the new year. America looking good for the year. You know, I mean, th- th- all this is about how amazing the economy is. But you go to places like Illinois, and this is what they're now selling you. They've run out of, they don't even have any ideas anymore in these liberal states. On, like, how to fix industry. They've just flat out given up saying, all right, well, this is what we'll do. We'll get everybody twice as high as anyone else from out of state, and we'll get minorities into the, into the drug business. Whose communities have been wrecked by the drug business. But we're going to somehow fix it by legalizing it, taxing it, and then we'll make money off of getting people in the weed business legally, and it's going to be amazing. That's what they're selling This is their grand hope for the state of Illinois in 2020. Oh, the article gets even better. You ready for this? Illinois is the 11th state in the nation to allow the sale of recreational marijuana. 33 states allow the sale of marijuana for medical use, which Illinois legalized back in 2013, which is the gateway drug for full-blown legalization. It's also what I've been warning you about. If your state is moving to legalize marijuana for medical reasons, and that you can smoke it with a card, it's going to be five years, and they're going to legalize it all the way across the board. I've told you this. Listen to me when I tell you. It's nothing but a gateway drug to the voters to get you used to weed, so then you'll finally say, ah, screw it, let's just do it all in. Let's just everybody go get high once you get high. And, and, and they, they basically make it where it's something not, somehow like non-shocking to you so that you'll accept full-blown weed. It's the gateway drug. Back to the article. Some restrictions, of course, they say still apply. Are you kidding me? However, landowners can ban cannabis use, and employees can prohibit employees from having THC in their systems. It's illegal to drive while impaired and to possess marijuana on federal land and federally funded facilities, including some hospitals, public housing, and more. Marijuana is still illegal at the federal level and cannot be taken across state lines by any form of transportation. 
And this is the kicker. You want to know why the left is losing? You want to know why Donald Trump will, in my opinion, win re-election? The next sentence sums up why there are two Americas. There is this liberal America which is completely out of ideas. They have nothing to offer anymore. It is dead on arrival. And this next sentence in the USA Today today sums it all up of what liberalism really is. Quote, Chicago, which is facing a more than $800 million budget deficit, expects to bring in $3.5 million in revenue from marijuana taxes next year. And there's your sign. You want to know how you've run out of, like, even bad ideas? This is how you know. When you have an $800 million budget deficit and you're excited about bringing in $3.5 million in revenue from marijuana taxes next year, and you say, we're doing a great thing for our state because we let people in our state get twice as high as other people out of state, and we're also going to make sure that we give money. We're going to give literal money to people in minority communities to get into the drugs. Happy New Year to all you guys in Illinois. This is what they're offering you now from the left. I'll get some of your reaction to this. one 381 3811 1-877-381-3811, Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in the great one. I'll be back with you in a few days. So uh, you read the papers today, and they give you the outlook of what to look forward to in the new year, what's exciting in the new year. And, and it, it really is fun. And you can see what, what the left has to offer. Weed. Big headline, Illinois. They're going to give you weed, and you can have twice as much if you're a resident. That's exciting. People leave it, you know, there's an article in, in, the, in a Texas paper about, or maybe it was a magazine over the holidays that I was reading, and it was talking about how the massive amount of people that are leaving New York, okay, and the massive amount of people that are leaving California are moving to Texas, and now how it could turn Texas liberal. 
Captain Obvious observation here for a second. If you're leaving a liberal state because of what they're doing to you in that state, why on earth would you then want to put in the same type of government that you literally were willing to pack up all of your, you know what, sell your home, leave your friends or your family or both? Go halfway across the country, and then when you get there, you're like, oh, let's flip the state to the liberalism. I, I don't get that. Just stay where you are. And, and they act like this is some great thing, like some great, you know, like some great hope that we're going to, you know, this is, this is big. They're going to do this. This is, this is really big. They're going to be able to flip things. Don't screw up another great state because you already screwed up the one you're, you're now running from. I, I, there's no chance in hell I would start a business in Illinois right now. No way. Look at what they've done to their state. Look at their crime rate. Look at Chicago. I mean, Chicago is almost like, I mean, it's almost like the, the Middle East. They're just, everybody's got a gun popping a cap and someone, and oh, but no, no. Chicago's got extreme gun control. How's that working out for you? You look at another state. Same, a great, another great example. I will never surrender my weapon. Virginians are pushing Second Amendment sanctuaries to stave off gun control, extreme gun control man, measures in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Why? Democrats now control the state house and the governor's mansion, and many rural Virginians are having to come to terms with their new blue state. They're banding together against what they see as a coming wave of constitutional violations. It's sad that here in Virginia, it has come to this with a great history of our state, is what one citizen said during a public comments at a meeting in Woodstock. It was a Virginian, James Madison, who wrote the Second Amendment. But the 1,500 people who showed up at the meeting want their local leaders to declare their county a Second Amendment sanctuary. That's because they fear, they fear law-abiding gun owners will soon find themselves on the wrong side of the law. Second Amendment sanctuaries, quote, we're actually going to be a sanctuary county, like, unlike your sanctuary cities that are literally violating federal laws, where we're just trying to protect people's rights, is what Kevin Rooney, who attended the meeting, said. The resolution says, quote, certain legislation that has been introduced in the Virginia General Assembly and has or may be introduced in the United States Congress should have the effect of infringing on the rights of law-abiding citizens to keep and bear arms. I go back to what I said. We're, we got two different Americas right now. One where liberals are trying to confiscate your freedoms, and the other where freedom is actually, well, people are still free. We'll have more on what's going on in Virginia and the rest of the country. Coming up, Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. 
Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. This is the Octagon of Talk Radio, The Mike Levin Show. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Welcome back. It is the Mike Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. If uh, you just joined us, we're talking about uh, something that's very clear on this new year in 2020. Happy New Year, by the way. There are two Americas. There is one America which is obsessed with freedom States and cities that are obsessed with freedom, people that support the president, there's others that hate it. You got liberalism, which is trying to take away everybody's rights. You look at Virginia, they're now trying to pass sanctuary Second Amendment laws to stave off gun control coming in from the governor and the new Democrats and control the state. You had a a shooting, a church shooting that happened last uh, Sunday. And... What was amazing about that church shooting that happened in Texas, right outside of Fort Worth, was how many men in the audience who were in the most vulnerable situation of their lives, with their eyes closed and their heads bowed. A lot of people don't even realize this. You may not even hear about the story because it didn't fit the media's liberal narrative. This story disappeared, my friends, completely from the national headlines because you had good guys, plural, with a gun, killing a bad guy with a gun. I talked to one of the individuals that was inside of that church. And what he told me was, had been a lot of people don't understand how vulnerable we were at the moment when the shooting took place. Our eyes were closed, our heads were bowed, we were taking communion. The pastor's eyes were closed, head were, head were bowed on stage. The man who became the shooter had just taken communion himself, waiting for the perfect moment where people were not watching him so that he could carry out a mass shooting. Within three seconds of the first shot being fired by the shooter, you had men in the audience engaging. Six seconds, it was all over. In six seconds, you had multiple guns drawn and two people shooting at the gunman that was down. He died. Now, he was able to kill two people in those three seconds before he was engaged and the six seconds before he was taken out. You had law enforcement at a press conference, and many uh, in the major media on Sunday did not carry that press conference Sunday evening because it didn't fit the narrative. You had local law enforcement, state, FBI, talking about these men were heroes, these men that protected their flock, that protected their fellow man, that carried weapons into church and were able to take out a shooter in six seconds. And you want to know what Elizabeth Warren has to say about that? Elizabeth Warren was asked about it. And this is that other America that scares the hell out of me. Listen carefully to the question that she was asked about this church shooting and her response. 
It is truly shocking, the arrogance of this woman. Last week, there was a, uh, another church shooting. Oh. And the only thing that saved the rest of the congregation were the other two people who there who shot and took out the uh, shooter. Would you support a universal carry, concealed carry law for everyone in the country who's willing to be licensed and checked by the government? No. So you have a church shooting, and by the way, there was more than two guns. That's the one thing that the man asking the question got wrong. There were multiple people with guns, two that pulled triggers and killed the man. And still, Elizabeth Warren says, I know better than you because I am the government. I am the government, and I know better than you. This is the same government in Illinois that says we'll get you twice as high in the new year at, at residence, and then we'll make $13 million off of you getting high. And, oh, by the way, we're going to have a great initiative where we're going to help minorities sell weed with a weed fund to get minorities into the weed business. That's what they're offering you. That is, that's literally what they're offering you. That's what they're offering you. It's unbelievable. That is what they have to offer. Weed. And minority weed initiatives. That's it. And then Elizabeth Warren is asked a simple, basic question. She's asked a question that is, a, that is by, by an audience member that says, hey, would you support for people that are willing to register with the government be able to carry these guns? No. And her liberal friends cheer it on. You want to know why I don't trust them? This is why. You have good men with guns in a church who I do not fear having a weapon. I will never fear men in church who have weapons, taking communion, bowing their heads, talking to the Lord, those are the men I want to have guns. And she says, nope, don't trust them. I'm the government. These are the same people trying the coup attempt against the President of the United States of America right now. This year is an election year. There was another article today, and I, I go back to the papers because I grabbed these papers today, and I got to find this one. It's amazing. Where was this? It's in the opinion. I think it was the opinion section. Yes, Opinion Section USA Today. Here's the headline. You ready for this? This is their number one opinion piece to start the new year. Page 7A, quote, don't, all, all capital letters, are at top of the page, Opinion Section, bam, big article. Don't let 2020 be another 2016. My New Year's resolution beat Trump. If you dream of a day when you'll never have to care about anything President Trump tweets, blurts or belches out again, 2020 will either be one of the best or one of the worst years of your life. And all of us who dare to dream should be humble enough to admit that none of us know exactly how to make it one of our best years. Whether you are a plain vanilla Democrat, a Democrat socialist, Pinning for a political revolution or a never-Trump Republican, there's not many of those, willing to give up another best-selling book to dispose of the deadbeat from the White House, we all have one thing in common. No one knows for sure how to beat Trump. Well, that we can agree on. Because when you have an unbelievable economy and you have the year that we just had and you have people coming together the way that people just came together, and you have a president that protects men and women, for example, in the green zone at our embassy, and doesn't sleep through the night or run the other way or lie to the press about what happened. 
like Benghazi. And you have a media that you can literally hear them almost wishing and hoping that people will die and that our, that our embassy will be a disaster so that they can attack President Trump for his lack of response. So they can use other people dying to their political advantage. Watch that on TV all weekend, all week, I should say. It's like they're cheering on the people from Iran. They're cheering on the Ayatollah, hoping that they will actually, like, kill an American. So they can say, see, Donald Trump couldn't keep people safe either. Aha, we told you. He's a fake. He's a fraud. one 381 one Let me get to your phone calls. Let me go to Patrick. Thanks for waiting. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in. How are you, Patrick? Ben, doing good. Uh, fellow, fellow Texan here. I, I just want to point out something. You know, I, I'm, uh, you and I are about the same age, and, you know, I – Here's the thing. I think that this marijuana debate is the wrong front for conservatives to be focused on. I, I just I, I you know, one of the things that they say it's a gateway drug. So on. I'm of the belief that it's a gateway drug because of the gate that you have to go to to get it, meaning that it's stigmatized to the point to where young kids are like, oh, this is bad. I'm rebelling. I'm doing something wrong. It's against the law. It's illegal. They go to the drug dealer. They get it. And then they're, they're like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then that opens the opportunity for them to use other drugs. Also, as far as... Well, all right, let me, let me respond to that first, okay? I am smart enough and intellectually honest enough to admit. How old are you, by the way? I'm 37. Okay, have you buried any of your friends yet from, from addiction? Um, you know, I have, but not, not marijuana. Uh, well, I didn't ask marijuana. I said yeah, yeah, from addiction. No, I, I've got a couple friends, yes, that have had drug problems. Okay. Did all of them start out with weed? Um, you know, I would, I, I, I couldn't be intellectually, that, be intellectually honest with me. Yeah, I, I really, I really couldn't tell you. Okay. I, I can tell you the friends that I have lost, whether they are from high school or childhood or especially from college, they all started with weed. Yeah. Well, they all I'll did. Say this. Well, well have... let me finish this. Let me finish this. This is the point that I, that, that, that I, that again, do you, do you have kids? I do. Nine all right. How, how? How, all right. Would you ever? Would you ever look forward to a moment where you could light up a doobie with them and smoke weed and get high with your kids? Absolutely not, because I don't okay. smoke marijuana. Okay, but, but but and would you be furious if you found out your kids were potheads? Um, I would definitely. I don't think I would be happy. Uh, okay, let me ask you this: Do you have a daughter? I do. It's legal to to be a pole dancer. Would you want your daughter to be a pole dancer? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Would you want your kid to be a pothead? No. No. I don't. Okay. So, because you know, and, and you know it's not a good decision. Yes. Okay, you wouldn't want your kid to be an alcoholic either. I definitely wouldn't. I, I, to be honest, I'd prefer my child to be a pothead than an alcoholic. I didn't give you an either or. I said, would you want your kid to be an alcoholic? No. And if they legalize prostitution, would you want your daughter to be a prostitute? Absolutely not. Even if she can make $1,000 a trick? No way. Okay, so you and I can both at least agree on this. Yes. There, there are certain things, regardless of how stupid the government is, that we would agree we would never want for our children. Yes. So why do we think that legalizing marijuana is a, would, would be somehow fix any problems at all? And, and I go back to the last 
line in this article celebrating legalization of weed in Illinois, where it says Chicago, which is facing a more than $800 million budget deficit, is expected to bring in $3.5 million in revenue from marijuana taxes next year. And that's the last line of the article like, oh, it's worth it because we're going to make money. You can make money off of prostitution. Doesn't mean that we should legalize it. Well, here's, here's my big problem with this. And this will go back to the question you originally asked. Friends, Gateway, I do have a friend that died, and the Gateway was hydrocodone, which is legal. Totally agree. And, and look, I have good, I, a very good friend of mine, never touched drugs his entire life, had a football injury at Ole Miss when I was there, and within probably less than four days was a complete addict. Had no idea and never could get off it and end up burying him. Biggest fear. And it's not about being a proponent for marijuana. It's about... It's about, Dude, I, not, let me. I, 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 and again, it goes back to this. It's there's certain things when I when I've watched friends. I've I've never tried weed. Full disclosure, never smoked it. Could care less. I don't do drugs. Never have. Never touched any of them. I had shoulder surgery several years ago, and it was a pretty major surgery, and it was extremely painful. And I told that doctor, do not prescribe me anything more than than Tylenol or Advil because I am not going to take it. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not going to take it. Yeah, I I don't ever because I don't trust that the government can can knows what the, that what is okay in the FDA with hydrocodone, oxycodone. I've seen too many people's lives be ruined who were not addicts who never did drugs before in their entire lives or flipped upside down. And for me, I'll take the pain. It's not worth the risk. Which goes back to what we're talking about with weed. The idea that weed. I mean, you you and I both probably did cigarettes underage, right? I did. I mean, I've smoked marijuana, too. You know, I've, okay, I've but, but let's, let's just talk about cigarettes real quick. Did you smoke a cigarette before you turned 18? What's that? Did you ever smoke a cigarette before you turned 18? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did. Okay, did you ever drink liquor before you were 21? Yes. Can we both agree that the government has done a really crappy job uh, of, of, of regulating those two things? It's been a failure. Can we agree on that? Absolutely. So then why would we think that we could somehow do a better job with weed? We, we can't. The only pro- Here's so the then, problem. So, so this goes back to the thing. If you and I both did something because it was legal at a certain age, right, you could justify it. Because it's like, well, I'm almost 18 or I'm almost 21. It's, it's illegal. This arbitrary age crap is stupid. So I'm going to try it, right? And then people that were older than us could get their hands on it, so they gave it to us. I never bought my first cigarette when I was 15 years old. The same damn thing's going to happen with weed, and anyone that doesn't understand that's an idiot. Yeah, yeah, no. And I, so now I, I you wanna... got a bunch of fifteen-year-olds literally getting high. What do you think's going to happen afterwards? Yeah, uh, no, I know. I, I I see your point completely. But here's here's the issue. I have. Mine's more of a political thing. I'm I'm a Texan like you, and I'm a I wouldn't say one issue voter, but I I live here and I love my state because. Now, let me be clear here. I'm a Tennessean. We saved Texas. Don't forget that. I'm a volunteer, born oh, I, and raised. Well, I, I hear you on the radio. Yeah, I'm a show here locally, so I didn't know if you were native here. No, no. I'm a volunteer. I remind people that all the time. I just think there's a lot of people in the middle of the country right now who look at the political, political hypocrisy of this, especially with the, uh, the pharmaceutical companies, the lobby there, and the issues that we have with opiates. Agree. And, and that's and all being, the more reason why, okay? It's all the more reason why you don't give in. You don't, you don't give up because what you're basically saying is, well, there's hypocrisy and there's these other bad things, so screw it. Let's, let's put in another bad thing. That makes no sense at all.
Here's the issue, though. There are so many adults in this country that are conservatives that smoke marijuana. I, I will tell you, I've got a number of friends who have to go to the polls every if, year. If I have to, to, for conservatism to stay in power, if you're telling me I have to choose to, to placate to people that smoke weed, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. I get that, and I understand. I, I just don't. I, I fundamentally do not believe you. Yeah, well, I, you know, and that's the thing. I, these, are the, these are people that I know that I talk to, you know, on a daily basis. I just see the sentiment with it. I understand. I understand. But I, I'm saying it again, and I, I got to take a break here, but I'll say it again. If, I, if you're telling me that the only way for me to get people on board with conservatism is to give them weed, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm never going to pick that route ever. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Mark Levin will be right back. Mark Levin. As the new year begins, Hillsdale College thanks you for your loyalty to freedom. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of Liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Imprimus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. You know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. Now, this independence allows the college to focus on its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom without government interference. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the rest of the country. Happy New Year from Hillsdale College. And to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Welcome back. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. I'll be back with you in a couple days. I want to get straight back to your phone calls. Tim, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in. Hello. Hi, I'm 74 years old. I uh, have done every drug except uh, anything underneath the skin. And uh, the whole whole trip started with marijuana. I'm a dead proponent on marijuana as a gateway drug. I, 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 there's very few people I know that go into illegal drugs. I'm talking about like LSD, crack, heroin, things like that. I'm not talking about necessarily like over-the-counter pills that don't start with weed. And that's the reason why. And that's the reason why places like Illinois. And and look, let's be clear what they're doing. They're telling you, the citizens, we think so little of you. This is the left. This is the Democratic Party that we're willing to let you get really high so we can take some money from you in tax dollars. That's how desperate Democrats are in Illinois for survival. We'll get you. We'll get you. Just you know what faced on weed, and we'll placate to minority voters by telling you we're going to give you special programs so you can produce more pot and get your hands on some weed money legally, and then that's and that's good for our society. That's what they have to offer you. It's disgusting. It's immoral, in my opinion. Absolutely immoral. Tim, I appreciate the phone call and your honesty. Thank you, sir. Happy New Year. one 381 3811 1-877-381-3811. We'll have much more coming on. By the way, Mr. Producer, you'll love this. I just got a bunch of bad reviews from liberals on Facebook. You can't make it up. 
They'll do anything they can to try to stop us, folks. We won't let them. Ben Ferguson filling in. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Chicago is a gun-free zone, but they had over 1,500 people shot in like less than half a year there. But they still are in favor of gun control. Why do I bring that up? I bring it up because you better be ready for this next year. One of the biggest things Democrats are going to be pushing on the local, state, and national level is banning guns. I'll give you a great example. My hometown of Memphis has had a gun show since the early 1990s. No one's been shot. The gun shows... Um, Get data show, and then, by the way, the quote gun show loophole has also been closed there. So uh, they've done it. Well, they had a bunch of new county commissioners that are socialists that were elected recently. And you had a new mayor that is liberal. And so what they did was they moved to ban gun shows in all county buildings, which is their way of banning gun shows. They realized they were going to get themselves in legal trouble. So instead of that, they just went to the person in charge of the government building where the gun show is and said, just don't rent to them next year and we'll just do it that way. And that's exactly what they did. And they're proud of it. Now you had millions and millions of dollars in sales per gun show, all being taxed. You had no gun show quote loophole, which liberals always talk about. You had a gun show that done everything that that agri center had ever asked them to do. You had, uh, Massive security and off-duty police officers that were hired to do security so they could make more money. And they've been going on since the early 1990s, and all of a sudden, because new liberals got elected, they decided, we're not going to rent to them anymore. You had 300 vendors, on average, that came in for this gun show. All of them, out-of-towners, you guessed it, rented hotel rooms and rented rental cars, bring in massive amounts of money every single time they had a show. And that gun show is now going to be over. This is happening all over the country. What liberals are doing is they're grabbing control and they're coming after your guns. Look at Virginia right now. The Virginia governor has called for an 18-person gun ban force is now coming under fire. Virginia's pop-up gun sanctuary movement has turned its attention to fighting the governor's call for a 4.8 million 18 officer team to enforce his proposed assault weapons ban. Two key groups issued an alert this week to push gun owners to four budget hearings around the state, asking them to quiz state legislatures if they will vote to ban or confiscate weapons. Think about that. They're going to vote to ban them. We understand that this is short notice, but it would have a significant impact if many of our members could show up and take a three-minute statement, make a three-minute statement, ask questions of the legislators in attendance, said Virginia Citizens Defense League. 
We see in the governor's proposed budget that he wants four million and eighteen new law enforcement positions to enforce the ban on commonly owned firearms, is what Governors of America senior vice president had to say as well. Over 150 people in Blackburg were there for the public hearing on the governor's proposed budget. Most people in the room are here following a call put out by gun rights groups to speak about money and his budget to support implementing gun control. Gun owners want to know, is this money going to be used for the gun confiscation? Both groups have been key in the surprising success of the organic gun sanctuary movement in Virginia that was prompted when the governor, Ralph Northam, said he'd be he'd back sweeping gun control legislation after Democrats took control of the legislature in the elections. The election surprised gun owners and prompted them to flood town and county meetings to demand that local lawmakers okay sanctuary gun resolutions to ignore the governor's gun control urge. A surprising 91% of all state counties have adopted the resolution, sending a clear signal to state lawmakers that you guys are out of control. In two weeks, the groups are planning to bus in thousands of gun owners for a lobbying day in Richmond to reinforce their demands not to pass new gun laws. The gun control side is also working overtime to win support for gun control initiatives, including expanding background checks and a ban on modern sporting weapons that include, you guessed it, the AR-15 rifles. At today's budget hearing, the groups have urged their members to ask questions about Northam's budget that includes, again, $4.8 million for an 18-person force to implement his proposed assault weapons ban. It also features more than $2 million, tire 10 more, to enforce other gun control proposals, including universal background checks, a one-gun purchase-per-month limit, and extreme risk legislation. I tell you about what's going on in Virginia. I tell you what's going on in Memphis, Shelby County, Tennessee, and other places around the country. I tell you all this because if you want to know what Democrats are going to run on, they're going to run on this. Bloomberg's a great example with the extreme gun control guy that he is. You saw it with Beto. And, and now you see it with Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren was asked about a story that no one wants to talk about because you had a bunch of good guys with guns in a church taking communion that in three seconds engaged a shooter in that church last Sunday and in six seconds took him out. And Elizabeth Warren was asked about that, and here's what she said. Last week there was a, uh, another church shooting. Oh. And the only thing that saved the rest of the congregation were the other two people who there who shot and took out the uh, shooter. Would you support a universal carry, concealed carry law for everyone in the country who's willing to be licensed and checked by the government? No. Just flat out no. No. I will not support no. I won't have a discussion. I won't talk about it. I won't look at the facts. I won't look at how many people's lives were, were saved in that shooting in Texas. Beto put out a tweet about it, too, talking about we need to, you know, we we got to get gun control, gun violence under control, instead of talking about how amazing it was that you actually had people that did an amazing job at protecting themselves while using a gun. All you hear there is no. There's no room for debate with these people. Zero. Nada. There is zero room for debate. 
this is what they've got. Legalize weed like they did in Illinois. Celebrate it because we'll get some tax dollars. And we're going to take away your guns because we know what's better for you than you know. Governor in Virginia is a great example of that. one 381 3811 1-877-381-3811. I want to get to your phone calls on this and see what you think about it. Let me go to Victor in Virginia. We were just talking about your state, Victor. Nice to have you on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson with you. Hi. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well, sir. How are you? I'm just fine. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you and Mark for continuing to push and let everybody know that the issues we're going through with our Second Amendment rights here in Virginia, um, everybody needs to know about it, and we need all the support we can get. It, it's crazy what you guys are going through there. And the, the, the response, by the way, has been incredible. Um, it is an organic response, which I absolutely love. Um, it is a response that you, you see people truly rallying together and, and saying, we're not going to be pushed around this way. And that part I genuinely love. Yes, that's the way that it is. Um, I'm not saying that I'm a big gun enthusiast. I'm not, was never interested in owning an AR, but now that I'm fixing to go buy one this weekend, just because I'm worried about the availability of it is going away. Well, and I mean, that's what that's what a lot of Second Amendment people do. Um, full disclosure, I, I own a gun range. I have an we, we have an academy there uh, to teach people on home defense. We have an academy on, on on, you know, getting a permit to carry and how to protect yourself in all sorts of situations. And we sell guns as well. Uh, I'm a victim of a gun crime and, and a gun saved my life by being able to draw my own weapon and, and actually shoot back. And that's some of the great things that have happened Um because uh, of something terrible that happened to me. But but you watch this. When you come after, you know, Democrats, this is the part that I don't understand about them. This is the part that's just stupid. Um, they come after guns, and all they do is sell guns when they do this. Because the guys like you, you're not necessarily in the market for an AR, and then you end up showing up at the gun store saying, well, now they're trying to take it away from me, so I want one. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Um, I mean, to me, an AR is a toy. It's recreational, um, kind of practical guy. So um, it just takes time and costs money to shoot it. But if they're going to take it away from me, damn right I want one. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I hear a lot of people say exactly what you just said there. If you're going to take it away from me, then I want one. Right? If you're If you're going to take it away, then I want one. I want one right now. Because I don't trust you. And that's what these sanctuaries are about, these gun sanctuaries. And look, other states should pay attention to what's happening in Virginia. They should, be, they should be really focusing on what is happening in Virginia. Because this is something that people need to not overlook. Because Democrats, wherever they I mean, just, just look at the corruption on the, on the county commission I was mentioning in my hometown of Memphis. You have people that get elected and they, they ban, they, they, they assault one group of people. Gun owners and the Second Amendment, and they they ban them without even passing a law, refuse to rent to them from county buildings, saying, we don't care how long you've been in business. We don't care what that you've done, everything we've ever asked you to do. We don't care that you've had no security incidences at your event. We, are, we don't like what you sell, so therefore we are going to discriminate against you, and we are going to take away all of these tax dollars, by the way, that would have come in as well. 
Right, but uh, not even that, and I'm not 100% sure of everything that they're proposing. But the way I understand it is, anything like a handgun that can, even though that it only holds seven, if it's able to accept a clip that holds more, it's it's going to make it illegal. Right, so which is what wife, they're trying to do. They're trying what they're trying to do is use use bullet control to ban guns. You're you're absolutely right, Victor. I appreciate the phone call. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one tonight. I'll be back with you in a couple of days. If you just joined us, we're chatting right now uh, about liberalism in 2020, what they're going to offer you. It is going to be impeachment, obviously, and then it's going to be legalized weed, and then it's going to be gun control. This is all they have to offer. They can't beat Donald Trump on the economy. They can't beat other Republicans on the economy. So this is what you do when you have nothing else to offer. You offer illegal activity. (laughs) If it wasn't so true, you couldn't make it up. You offer something that is currently illegal, and then you take away people's rights to tell them somehow they're going to be safer. Even though the data shows the complete opposite of that, if you don't believe me that extreme gun control doesn't work, look at Chicago. Look at D.C. Look at New York. Look at California. Look at the murder rates, the crime rates. I mean, you have these extreme, look at Baltimore. Where you have extreme gun control, it does not mean for, for a second. It doesn't for a second mean that you're safer. In fact, all it means is you're a victim. That's what it means. It means that you are a sitting duck. And that's exactly why last week the media buried the story of that church shooting so quickly. I mean, as soon as it came out, the video, you know, the service was live streamed. A lot of people may not know that. So the church service in Texas was live streamed. So people could literally see what happened with the shooting. You could see the heads bowed, the eyes closed. You could see communion taking place. You could see a man pull out this shotgun. And in three seconds, he was engaged by two different men with guns. And within six seconds, it was all over. Yes, he was able to kill two people, but it's nothing compared to what he would have done if no one was there to stop him. And then you have the arrogance of the left. You have the Elizabeth Warrens, where she's asked by a guy, hey, 
would, would you support universal concealed carry laws for everyone in this country? Because it's our Second Amendment right. And, and, and it doesn't matter the facts here. This is her hatred towards guns, and this is what she's running on as president. Last week, there was a, uh, another church shooting. Oh. And the only thing that saved the rest of the congregation were the other two people who there who shot and took out the uh, shooter. Would you support a universal carry, concealed carry law for everyone in the country who's willing to be licensed and checked by the government? No. no I mean, that's it. No, no explanation needed. I'm Elizabeth Warren. I'm a socialist. I do not trust you, the American people, to carry a gun. No. I don't care if it saves lives. No. Rick, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Hello. Hey, how are you doing, Ben? Doing well, sir. How are you? Nice to meet you, sir. You too. Go ahead. Well, I have a son that was shot at Columbine, 1999. And I was very uh, vocal about the lack of uh, prosecutions of people that violated gun laws at the time. My son got shot by two juvenile delinquents who bought their guns illegally. Uh, 6,700 different laws were broken. And Bill Clinton came out, uh, met my kid. I refused to meet with him. And his whole argument was, if only the nasty Congress would pass my gun laws, children would be safe. Absolute BS. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is so far out of touch with the American population outside of the East Coast and the Left Coast that um, she won't even acknowledge that the people in Texas took care of themselves. That's what I have to say. First of all, my wow, uh, with your, and our, our thoughts are with you, with you having a family member that was shot in Columbine. You've seen the gun debate um, really... Uh, explode since Columbine. And we, we even saw it in, in, after Jonesboro shooting that took place, that school shooting, that first one that was those young kids using guns. And we've seen, you know, the, the moms demand action. We've seen the Brady Bill stuff. We've seen, you know, your, you know kids' names be invoked since Columbine in, in, a, in a real organized way. You see what happened in Texas what I said after Texas was this, and I want to hold you over because I want to get your reaction to this as a parent who's dealt with this, Rick, so hold on for me. I don't know why we aren't advocating for more teachers to be able to carry, former law enforcement, administration officials. You look at what happened with this church. It is proof that good guys with a gun are not a threat to you. More on that coming up on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in. You can follow me on Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show, and on Facebook as well. More. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mark 
Jason, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. So, you know, a couple years ago, there was this mentality that if you're an athlete, shut up and dribble. If you are a Hollywood actor, shut up and act. This idea of kind of, quote, stay in your lane, right? Like, like, don't get out of what you do. If I go to a movie, I don't want to be preached to about politics by you. I, I, I no longer, just want to make this clear, think that's okay. I want to know exactly what you think because I want to know what you believe so I know who I'd like to give my money to. And there's an interesting article that came out. Director Ron Howard. I'm a fan of Ron Howard. I like Ron Howard. I think Ron Howard is a pretty good guy when it comes to directing movies. I like what he's done. Director Ron Howard has decided it's a good idea to lecture America, us 60-plus million Americans that voted for Donald Trump, about what he believes is good and bad, what is okay and unacceptable. Director Ron Howard said, quote, Hollywood sees Trump as morally bankrupt egomaniac. Ron, I would say ditto to Hollywood. You, I, I mean, if you can't look at the morally bankrupt group of people in Hollywood from Harvey Weinstein supporters all the way down, I mean, are you kidding me? Actor and filmmaker Ron Howard said that many people in Hollywood have worked with President Trump in the past. View him as morally bankrupt egomaniac who's now hustling the country. So having the lowest unemployment rate in history for minorities is hustling America. Having more Americans work now than any other time in my lifetime is hustling America. Having consistently low gas prices, which help people in poverty more than anybody else, is hustling America. By going to war with countries that are taking advantage of us economically when it comes to sanctions and, and, and fixing insane trade deficits is swindling or, quote, hustling the country. If that's your definition, I am, I am in favor of hustling. See, I use the word hustling. Maybe he just used it incorrectly. Maybe he was trying to imply that hustling, the word hustling was supposed to be actually referencing how hard Donald Trump's working. Quote, in the entertainment industry, many who have known worked, uh, known slash worked with Trump think that while his reality show was fun and ran a long time, he's a self-serving, dishonest, morally bankrupt, egomaniac who doesn't care about anything or anyone but his fame and bank account and is hustling the U.S. So Mr. Howard, 65, tweeted to his 2.6 million followers. Okay, Donald Trump has less money now than when he became president. So if it was about the money, you're an idiot. Do the math. It's very simple. Donald Trump has actually lost money going into politics, not gained money. You're an idiot. By the way, Donald Trump's not trying to entertain you. It's like, it's like you're saying he's a bad entertainer. No, he's, he's the president of the United States of America. His job is to fight for Americans, which he's doing. And that's what pisses you guys off so much is actually working. I mean, the only, the, literally the only people out there that are not good at creating jobs are the Democratic candidates who keep laying off their campaign staffs because their campaigns keep failing. Former housing secretary and San Antonio mayor, Julian Castro, dropped out of the Democratic race for president 
and laid off his entire campaign staff. Amid rumors, uh, excuse me, I mean, this is just, what else do you want from me? The only people that can't figure out how to actually keep people employed are Democrats running for office. That's it. Egomaniac. That's what they got. Look, this goes back to what a Democrat friend of mine who works in Washington on Capitol Hill and Democratic office said to me, he said, Ben, it's very simple. Democrats behind closed doors have been saying this now for over a year. If you can't beat them, impeach them. And that's exactly what they did. And they also lied about the impeachment. Don't forget that. Don't forget that. They lied. They flat out lied. What do I mean by that? What did Democrats say about impeaching Donald Trump? They said it couldn't wait till Election Day. We just can't wait till Election Day. We have got to impeach this president now because our our democracy is under attack and his corruption is going to destroy us. And we cannot wait for the American people to decide the outcome in less than a year. We have to do it now. And then what does Nancy Pelosi say? Well, I'm not going to send the articles of impeachment over to the Senate because I don't trust they're going to treat this the right way. All I'm asking is, okay, well, then which one is it, you liar? Which one is it, you pathological liars? Is Donald Trump a threat to our democracy? Because if he is, then send the articles of impeachment to the Senate. If he's not a threat to our democracy, then don't send them. And that's my point is this is nothing but political hackery. They're all a bunch of they're all a bunch of frauds. They're all a bunch of evil frauds. You can't if you can't beat them, impeach them. That's what the Democrats, the, the, the entire party has to offer you. Oh, and we'll help you get high. Oh, and we'll take away your guns. We don't even care if your guns save people's lives. We'll take them away anyway. People in Virginia are smart. Doing these gun sanctuaries is brilliant. Everybody else around the country, you ought to be calling your locally elected officials. You ought to be calling your state reps. You ought to be looking into this. Because Democrats are offering you nothing when it comes to economics. They have to offer you socialism. And the way that they do it is doing exactly what Elizabeth Warren said. You had a, you had a, a church shooting and people could ar- were arming themselves. And they were able to protect themselves. And would you be in favor of allowing more people to do it? No. Why? Doesn't matter. I'm a socialist. Leave me alone. Guns are bad. I don't trust people. And you should trust me to dictate to you what you should do with your life. That is socialism 101. That's the reason why this isn't an impeachment, Donald Trump. This is a coup. I've been saying for months now, this is nothing but a coup. Representative Al Green. I'll give you another great example. Representative Al Green. Said, and he said this on MSNBC. I want you to think about this. He said this on MSNBC. I'm going to play it for you. And he was at least honest about this. This impeachment began when the president was running for office. That's how you know it's a coup attempt. You just mentioned uh, political expediency and insincerity, which those are two charges that have been leveled against Democrats during this entire uh, affair, particularly since September when the formal impeachment increase started. And you, you play a starring role in those charges. I mean, the argument goes like this of, how, of House Republicans and Trump and his allies, the president and his allies, is basically the Democrats wanted to impeach Donald Trump from day one. They cast about looking for a set of facts that they could plausibly use to do it. And all of it was pretextual and reverse engineered to get to this point. Exhibit one, Congressman Al Green, who's been calling for the man's impeachment uh, for, for two years now. What's your response to that charge? Well, the... 
genesis of impeachment, to be very candid with you, was um, when the, the president was running for office and he had. I mean, there's Al Green, Democrat from Texas. Impeachment began when President Trump was one running for office. That is a coup. By the way, he continued after that. With those things in mind and with the president's behavior before us, firing Mr. James Comey, who was investigating the intrusion of Russia into his campaign, our election, that was something that was not to be tolerated. And the president has continued to try to thwart the efforts of Congress to investigate with Mr. Mueller. So they're going back to that now. That's what they're going back to. one 381 3811 one 381 3811 Let me go to Terry. You are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in tonight. Hello. Hey, Ben. How are you? I love the show. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Listen, I live six miles west or seven miles west of Philadelphia. Now... All the gunshots, there were 350-some murdered last year in Philadelphia, 110 kids wounded, 1,300 other people wounded, okay? And I'm tired of all this nonsense about gun control. This is 80 to 90% black-on-black crime, and it's about drugs and money, okay? And that's the problem. The council, city council, wants to get involved in the new FOP uh, contract coming up. You know what they want to do away with? No more stop and frisk and no more car checkpoints. Well, why don't they do that in the suburbs where they have DUI checkpoints every week? Right? Why not, right? Right? Isn't it the same thing? They don't want you to stop and frisk them or stop and check their car to see if they have guns. Why is it legal to stop people for alcohol? I've never been stopped or anything, but I'm just saying. This stuff going in Philly, Chicago, Baltimore, New York, all the major cities is black-on-black crime. And if that gets me in trouble, so be it. But that's my point. Okay. Thank you, brother. Good to talk to you, and I appreciate the phone call. one 381 Let me go to John. You are on the Marco Vin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in. Hi. Hello. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Great. Hey, I just had a quick comment I was wanting to make. I was taking some notes as I was listening to you, and you hit most of them, but I was just going to run through them real quick. If you draw a line right down the center from Democrats to Republicans, it, it's it it blows my mind how you would want to be a Democrat because you got thought control, speech control. They want to control it. They take your guns. You can't defend yourself. Uh, legalizing marijuana. Trump's trying to stop all drugs and trying to get people off of the drug problem. Buttigieg or whatever his name is, he's wanting to allow all. Just just drugs go to- just go with Mayor Pete. It's a lot easier. Oh, man, he, he wants to do <laughs> free drugs for everybody, legalize yeah. it. They want, all, they want to leave the border open when Trump's trying to shut the border, and that would stop children and women and being smuggled across as prostitutes. It would, it would stop the drugs, the gun running. I just don't understand the thought process, why you would want to go on the negative side 
as a civilian of this United States as being on the positive side. Now, I just like it. Why, why would that. you ever trust this government to take care of you is beyond me? They're not. I mean, look, look at the deficit right now, and Republicans are blamed for this. I'll get, I, I'm not going to sit here and act like they're, they're not responsible as much as the Democrats are for our insane national debt. It's going to come home to hurt us and roost one day. There, our government spending is completely out of control, and Republicans have done a lot of it, and so have Democrats. But, I mean, look at Social Security. It's, it's going to be completely insolvent. We all know it's going to happen. We all know it's coming, and no one seems to give a crap. You look at socialized medicine. and what, I mean, Obamacare has been a disaster. They, we don't even take care of our veterans at the VA. Why would you trust them with all of this? Why would you say, here, here is here, here are all my weapons, here's all my money and taxes. Please just take care of me and expect the government to do it. It doesn't work. It never has. Show me one place where, where socialism has worked in the world. Show it to me. It doesn't exist. That's why I was wondering if the Democrats actually think if I vote Democrat, that little card's going to tell the government to take care of them. The government ain't going to care once they get control. No, you you are right about that. They are not going to care, and that's and look. At least Al Green is intellectually honest enough to say that look, the genesis of Trump's impeachment began when he was running for office. We said we can't we can't handle this guy. I mean, look at look at even McCabe, for example. McCabe has now apologized for misleading investigators on the leak and the transcripts now show. Former Deputy FBI Director Andrew McCabe apologized for lying to federal investigators. Concerning October the 16th leak to the Wall Street Journal about the Hillary Clinton email probe, newly released transcripts indicate. Underscoring McCabe's legal jeopardy as U.S. Attorney John Durham continues the Justice Department's criminal probe into the Bureau's misconduct. The transcript specifically raised the possibility that McCabe could face a false statement charge, similar to the one levied against former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. The account of McCabe's remarks was released by the Department of Justice Inspector General because of a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit by citizens for responsible in ethics in Washington, D.C. There you go. There it is. Thank you, sir. Good to talk to you. one 381 3811 Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. You can follow me also on Facebook and Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show. I'd love to keep up with you on Facebook and Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. And if you just joined us, uh, we are chatting right now. You know, Democrats right now are obsessing over Donald Trump playing golf over the holidays. I'm not joking. I'm watching on TV right now. They're actually obsessing over Donald Trump playing golf over the holidays. That's what they got to offer you right now. This year is going to be amazing. It's going to really make Democrats. They're going to lose their minds. Think about how many citizens we would lose if every liberal that said they're going to leave America if Donald Trump wins election or re-election actually did it. Can you imagine? We would have like a whole new set of actors in Hollywood. Ron Howard coming out saying, you know, Donald Trump's an egomaniac and yada, 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 and we can't stand him and he sucks. Okay, well, we think you're, you suck too, so there you go. They, I mean, just all of the move, I don't care. Like, seriously, go for it. Knock yourself out. Joe Biden, by the way, trying to do some, like, Jedi mind trick on you. 
Here is what Joe Biden is now peddling on the campaign trail. He's trying to convince Americans with the lowest unemployment rate in history from minorities in this country. He's trying to convince you that the economy sucks. Yeah, this is the Jedi mind trick of what he's, and the media is not calling him out for this either. So they won't and will do it. Listen to this. The economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. I'm sorry, what was Mr. Producer? The economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. Very badly. So when Barack Obama had more Americans on food stamps than any other president in history, had had literally had more Americans living in actual hell, you're telling me that, and you called him a food stamp president and said he's the best guy ever, and that was your administration. You were there. Let's not forget that. You were there for that. You now want me to believe that the middle class in this country is hurting when every statistic points the complete opposite way. Look at Wall Street. Look at the incredible gains. Look at the, I mean, when Donald Trump is out there on stage talking about your 401ks will go down the tubes, your investments will go down the tubes if you don't reelect me. He's not wrong based on what the Democrats do when they're in office. I mean, like, he's, he's literally not wrong. He's telling the truth. And Joe Biden's out there going, okay, I, here, here, here's what, no one's going to fact check this, right? Like, no one's going to actually fact check what I say. I'll tell people that the middle class is a disaster right now, and they'll believe it. And the media will report on it. They'll make it so. They'll make it true. I hope America is not dumb enough to buy that crap. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show. We'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hour three, Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Mark Levin will be back with you in a couple of days. And we talked about this in the first hour. Uh, this new year, headlines, and I'll read this from the USA Today, legal weed sales begin in Illinois. More than 11,000 convicts have been pardoned as well. Smile, Chicago, weed is legal now. Every state, the governor says, is legalized cannabis, has seen high demand and lose long lines in its earliest weeks. And to be sure, our state will too, but unlike other states, in Illinois, we purposely built a system where the market has room to grow so more people can get high. We're also including those from the communities disadvantaged by the war on drugs, and we'll have real opportunities in the industry, referring to minorities. Illinois is the 11th state in the nation to allow the sale of recreational marijuana, and they want you to be excited about it because the numbers are in. Mr. Producer, are you ready for this? Illinois' first day of legal recreational cannabis translated into a good chunk of green. This is the only way that Democrats know to grow the economy is by getting you high. In the first day of legal recreational cannabis, it translated to a good chunk of green, nearly 3.2 million in sales. The state's 37 dispensaries churned through 77,000 transactions. For 3.17 million, the first day sales, 
is what the governor, senior advisor for cannabis control, said in a news conference. The amazing thing about this is there's a significant portion of these dollars that go directly into the community reinvestment fund. This is this is the this is about as dumb as the people that are like, oh, legalize gambling and then we'll be able to pay for kids to get a great education. Yeah, we funded a lot of people with education. We also got a whole lot of people to lose a bunch of their money at the same time. So good job with that. Really, like nice job. We're so proud of you. So there you go. You got you got I mean, who knows how many people got high? I mean, a hundred thousand plus yesterday in Illinois. And congratulations, that's liberalism for you. Last year Illinois made history when it became the first state to legalize adult use cannabis via legislative measure. Its regulations also have been heralded for addressing social injustice and social equity concerns. Because now, if you're minority, black or Hispanic, they'll help you get in the cannabis business and get a job in it. And so now you can make money getting your friends high. If that isn't the definition of racism, I don't know what is. I I just, I don't. I really, really, really don't. Unbelievable, isn't it? It's just, this is the Democratic Party for you. 1-877-381-3811, All right, I got to touch for real quick just on this other issue, and that is the issue of Iran. Um, the president made it pretty clear that Iran may be planning more attacks. That's what the Pentagon has said. More troops have been deployed. U.S. combat deaths in Afghanistan uh, went up, and that's because more Americans are being attacked and the president's fighting back, which is exactly what should happen. And now because the president is doing that, he is apparently schizophrenic. That's right. Ben Rhodes on MSNBC had this to say about Donald Trump and his foreign policy. Show that the United States is the one that is isolated in the world, uh, and Trump can't do anything to stop that. I also noticed that this whipsawing is a thread that runs through the deployment of our troops. I was actually surprised to see that he had ordered uh, 750 troops, or nearly 700 troops from the 82nd Airborne after making such a show, um, and, and again, we don't know his motives, but he makes such a show of undermining his own former Secretary of Defense, Jim Mattis, his former National Security Advisor, John Bolton, in pulling troops, small amounts of troops out of places where they're actually needed, where they're working alongside um, people like the Kurds who are, who are keeping us from having to send more to, to send troops from the 82nd does certainly send a shockwave through the military families here in this country. No question. And, and schizophrenic is the right policy, uh, right uh, description of the policy, Nicole, because D- Donald Trump likes to stand up and say that he's getting us out of these places, that he's pulling the troops out, that he's winding down these wars. But the reality is there are thousands more U.S. troops in the Middle East because Donald Trump has deployed them to Saudi Arabia uh, to, to provide essentially security uh, for his partner there, Mohammed bin Salman. Now additional troops necessary to secure uh, our embassy uh, in Iraq. So we've seen him do things like pull back. A few hundred U.S. troops are having an enormous impact in Syria in ways that allowed for ISIS fighters to escape and potentially to regenerate. Uh, that has certainly led to the killing of some of our Kurdish allies who fought with us. We've seen him announce recently that there are going to be redeployments of U.S. troops in Africa, where very small numbers of U.S. troops uh, are on the front lines trying to keep terror and insurgencies from developing. He's pulling back troops where they're not many and they're needed, and then he's pouring thousands of troops uh, to deal with this threat from Iran that he has created by pulling out of the Iran nuclear agreement uh, because, again, he's responding to the uh, impulse from Saudi Arabia where he's trying to protect... Well, let me get this straight, though. So, so this guy, Rhodes, okay, the Obama guy, he's saying that Donald Trump's schizophrenic 
is the right way to describe the policy of the president of the United States of America because Donald Trump likes to stand up and say that he's getting us out of these places, which, by the way, he says he's doing. He pulls troops out, which is something Democrats were obsessed with doing but never could pull it off. He's winding down these, uh, these endless wars, which is something that everybody seems to agree with. But then all of a sudden he sends troops back when Americans are threatened, and therefore he's schizophrenic. So you're in favor of the Benghazi policy, which is leave people with no assets, and then if they get attacked, you let them die, so you're not on the record of sending troops back? And you want to say that Donald Trump's foreign policy is schizophrenic? Because you were, you were there when you had a policy which deliberately allowed for Americans to be murdered. I mean, I mean, are you saying that you should not have additional troops be sent to secure embassy when it's under attack? Is that what you're? I mean, that's what you're saying here. You're you're, you're criticizing the president for sending hundreds of U.S. troops to protect the American embassy and our people there that are being brought in from out of the country, by the way, from Iran and being organized by Iran. And you're saying, well, this president's foreign policy is schizophrenic. He's not the only one using this talking point, by the way. The media is all in on this one. Not only did he say this, I'll give you another Democrat. Donna Edwards had this to say about Donald Trump also on MSNBC. It's a good one. You ready for this? He says that the president of the United States of America is, quote, clearly delusional. So he's schizophrenic and delusional because he protects American lives at the embassy. Got it. Okay. Self a new narrative. That's why I'm, that's why I'm confused about the politics of it. Well, I would go further and say, I don't know. I mean, look, look, here he is on New Year's Eve, and, and this is clearly a delusional understanding of what's happening in North Korea. I, I, so I think, I think it's more than a message problem. It's for someone who doesn't read a PDB, who goes through, you know, national security staff faster than spouses. I mean, what does he know about these hotspots? Here he is on New Year's Eve. He likes me. I like him. We get along. Uh, he's representing his country. I'm representing my country. We have to do what we have to do. But he did sign a contract. He did sign an agreement talking about denuclearization. And that was signed, number one sentence, denuclearization. That was done in Singapore. And I think he's a man of his words. So here's what John Bolton thought. It's clear why they're not still together. Uh, he tweeted this. How to respond to Kim Jong-un's threatening New Year's remarks? The U.S. should fully resume all canceled or downsized military exercises in South Korea. Hold congressional hearings on whether U.S. troops are truly ready to fight tonight. Um, you know, obviously those two men weren't on the same page when it came to Turkey or Ukraine or Iran or maybe on Iran or North Korea. But um, is, is Trump delusional? Well, he clearly is, and if there was a contract, then... I mean, I just love that. Is, this, is a, this is a legitimate question coming from MSNBC. Is Trump delusional because the President of the United States of America is... And, and by the way, Kim Jong-un didn't do jack crap on, on Christmas. So there was no gift, okay? This is Kim Jong-un being Kim Jong-un. But the President has realized that isolating them clearly didn't do us any good. So you meet with them, talk to them, try to work on a deal, but you also hold them accountable. It's the same exact thing he's done with economic policy, which has had a great effect that no one wants to talk about with, with China. Look at how good we've gotten with China. Look at, look at how we were able to redo NAFTA, for goodness sakes, which was broken even by Democrat standards. Even by Democrat standards, it was broken. 
this president's willing to talk to anybody anywhere, basically. It doesn't mean that we back down. We haven't backed down at all on many things. What the president's done is said the last policy of isolation and not speaking with Kim Jong-un clearly was not working. It didn't help. So let's try to go in a different direction. Right? Let's try, let's try something different. Doesn't mean that we're going to lift sanctions. Doesn't mean that at all. But we're, gonna, we're, we're certainly going to see if we can actually make the world a safer place and just instead of isolating and making it where we're on the brink of, of disaster by, by a psychotic man. Maybe we can talk him down. I, I mean, this is what you do when you bring in a hostage negotiator. It's the same thing the president's doing with their foreign policy. Not talking to the hostage taker doesn't do you any good. That's why we bring in, it doesn't mean you still don't have guns. It still doesn't mean you don't set up a perimeter. It still doesn't mean you don't have a SWAT team ready. You, but, but what the president's basically doing is being a hostage negotiator with Kim Jong-un. Especially in that part of the world. What's wrong with that? Why should anybody be afraid of that? Why should that make someone nervous? It shouldn't. one 381 3811 one 381 3811 Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back. It is the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. If you just joined us, uh, we are talking about Joe Biden now telling you that this country sucks. Our middle class is getting decimated and the economy is terrible, even though there is not a single economic data point to prove this. But you know what? Go around saying it because you know the liberal media will not call you out for it. Here's Joe Biden in his own words. Economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. Very badly. All right, remember that forgotten town that Democrats destroyed called Detroit? Remember when Obama said that those manufacturing jobs are gone, they're long gone, they'll never come back, so get over it? Ford announced over the holidays, and of course the media did not cover this, that they were going to invest $1.45 billion. $1.45 $1.45 billion into two Metro Detroit plants. Add more than 3,000 jobs. Can we, can we play Joe Biden again real quick? The economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. Ford Motor Company adding 3,000 jobs to those two factories in Metro Detroit and investing $1.45 billion to build new pickups, SUVs, and electric and autonomous vehicles, bringing into clear focus... The $6 billion in investments promised in its new contract with the UAW, which, by the way, is a union that asks their members to get insane benefits that no one can actually afford. The promised investment at the two plants comes with more than $35 million in tax incentives, most of which is related to a 10-year income tax capture valued at, top to, uh, at up to $26 million. The company's commitment, according to the Michigan Economic Development Corporation, is to create and maintain at least 3,000 jobs with an average annual wage to be greater than $61,047. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead and play Joe Biden again. The 
economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. The company said Tuesday that about $750 million will go to the Michigan Assembly plant in Wayne, Michigan, where 2,700 jobs will be added during the next three years at an average salary of $61,047. Another $700 million will be invested in the truck plant in Dearborn, where 300 new jobs will also be added on top of what's already there. Hiring will begin soon as well in the new deal with the UAW, Negotiated this fall, the company has committed to adding or retaining 8,500 jobs with the investments in 19 U.S. factories that would have gone overseas. Yeah, we should play Joe Biden again and tell people how bad everything is. Go ahead. The economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. Ford's president of automotive touted the local Michigan investment while highlighting the bets the company is making on its present and future. At Ford, we are investing aggressively in building on our strengths today, including trucks and SUVs, while at the same time building on the American people, expanding our leadership into electric and automotive autonomous vehicles. The investment comes as the U.S. new vehicle sales cycle has peaked and appears to be leveling off at around 17 million vehicles per year. So we got 17 million new vehicles per year being sold in the U.S. And there's a guy by the name of Joe Biden that wants me to believe that the middle class is a disaster right now. You got 3,000 plus jobs with an average annual wage to be greater than 61 grand, and he wants me to believe that it's a disaster right now. That's what he's walking around the country saying, vote for me because the economy sucks and the media has not called him out. I mean, there's no data that Joe Biden can point to, not a single economic data point that he can point to to say that what he is claiming is anywhere close to being accurate or true. But yes, please, let's focus on Donald Trump and say he's schizophrenic because he actually protects Americans at our embassy in Iraq. Yes, let's say he's schizophrenic because he actually is willing to talk to Kim Jong-un because he realized that isolation alone was clearly not working. Let's say that he's psychotic because he's willing to actually have foreign policy discussions with the worst people in the world. Let's say he's crazy because he doesn't placate to the Iranians and give them millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars of money they should never have their hands on. Let's do that. Because remember, there's a guy by the name of Barack Obama who gave them pure hard cash and went into a nuclear deal that was a joke from the beginning. Also, he could check a box saying, look, I have done something great with Iran that Iran never, ever was going to do anything. I mean, Iran was never going to do what they claimed they were going to do. Never. Iran was never going to do what they said they were going to do. I'm just telling you that right now. Iran cannot be trusted. They're the ones that are killing Americans. They're the ones that killed an American contractor, which is why the president said, oh, hell no. We're going to make very clear you're not going to get away with this crap. You may have been able to get away with it under Obama. You will never get away with it under me. But, but, Mr. Producer, what did Biden say again? The economy sucks? Is that what it is? The economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. Very badly. one 381 3811 one Ben Ferguson filling in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back.
the Constitution Man, Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. Well, there are reports right now coming out of Iraq that uh, the top Iran commander has been killed in a strike uh, on Baghdad Airport. Again, this is just breaking now. The Associated Press uh, is also reporting this now. Iraq TV and three Iraqi officials said that the, the, this uh, Iran general, the head of Iran's elite uh, force, has, uh, force, has been killed in an airstrike at Baghdad's International Airport. The official said the strike also killed the deputy commander of Iran's backed militias known as the Popular Mobilization Forces. Their deaths are a potential turning point in the Middle East and are expected to draw severe retaliation from Iran and the forces it backs in the Middle East against Israel and America. The PMF is now blaming the United States for an attack at Baghdad International Airport. There is no immediate comment coming from the U.S. right now or Iran. Uh, again, this is breaking news, but again, this is an official with an Iranian-backed parliamentary forces said that seven people were killed by a missile fired at Baghdad International Airport. They are blaming the United States of America for a drone strike. Uh, the official with a group known as the Popular Mobilization, Mobilization Forces said the dead includes its airport protocol officer identifying him as Mohammed Rada. Uh, now we're hearing that Iran's general, uh, again, Iraqi TV and three Iraqi officials say uh, that the head of Iran's elite uh, Qud forces has been killed in an airstrike at Baghdad's international airport. The official also says the strike killed the deputy commander of Iran's backed militias known as the Popular Mobilization Forces. So we'll keep you updated, obviously, on this. But that is some huge breaking news showing that, again, Donald Trump is not screwing around and not afraid to strike uh, the leadership in Iran. But this is, uh, again, this is if these uh, senior Iraqi officials, uh, are, and again, this being reported now, are telling the truth, which I'm assuming they are, you know, you, this is no doubt this is a escalation. This is the definition of what makes Donald Trump Donald Trump, um, you know. This is a guy who deserved to rot in hell, to die, uh, this leader in Iran. And I'm beyond thrilled if this is exactly what, in fact, happened tonight. So good job to America. Uh, but again, an airstrike at, at, at Baghdad Airport kills Iran's most uh, revered military leader. That is what Iraqi state television is reporting now. Uh, pictures are showing the famous red ring that he wore, big red stone. Uh, and so that's what we're being told. But this is a, again, this is a massive, massive hit to the leadership uh, of Iran's military and leadership there as they work. And this is a guy that has helped kill many Americans. This is a guy that has helped ISIS uh, and others uh, be able to get in American forces and go freely from Iraq to Syria uh, and help with roadside bombs and killing Americans. This is a name that you may not know. Um, it's not one that's been talked about every day because he has an official position with Iran. This isn't like he's just a terrorist like al-Baghdadi or, al or, or Osama bin Laden uh, or, or Mohammed, you know, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, people like that. Uh, this, is a, this is a guy that is an official general, a, a top general, 
uh, the head of Iran's elite fighting force. And again, they've been told he's been killed in an airstrike inside of Iraq. This guy from Iran, top leader in Iran, in Iraq, uh, meeting with these uh, Iranian-backed militias that have been attacking our embassy. So I I would expect Iran to respond in some capacity. Um, This is, you know, what leadership looks like, by the way. This is exactly what leadership looks like. You have a man in Iran meeting with these forces that are attacking Americans and trying to uh, overrun our embassy. And you have a chance to take him out in Iraq, you do it. And I would say to our men and women in uniform, well done. God bless you. This is great, great, great news. Let me get back to your phone calls as well. One, and again, this is huge news. I cannot state how big of a hit this is to Iran. one 381 This also goes back, you know, some of the talking points where people earlier were saying Donald Trump's foreign policy in Iran is schizophrenic and all this other crap. Uh, they're going to hate this because this is a huge hit to Iran. And Democrats don't want that. They want Donald Trump's foreign policy to be a failure. The same way that Biden's walking around saying that the president's hurting the middle class. CNBC today had a great point. Um, Jim Cramer said, no matter your view on President Trump, there's no denying we're living in the best labor market in more than a generation. This is the best numbers I've seen in my life, and he's 64 years old. He said 3.5% unemployment rate in November. 50 years ago, that number was a curse. Now it's a blessing. Again, he said, no matter your view on President Donald Trump, there's no denying we're living in the best labor market in more than a generation. You can't contradict that these are the best numbers of our lives. You can't. You just can't do it. People don't want to say good things about the economy. Echoing comments that have been made by all these Democrats. Don't let the Armageddonists and the negatives and the others scare you away from owning stocks, he went on to say. He's right. Best numbers I've seen in my lifetime. 50 years ago, these numbers were cursed. Now it's a blessing. I don't see inflation. I don't see recession, he went on to say. He said he also went on to say the, the strong U.S. job market is going to allow Americans to win the trade war with China, which has given the president the leverage he needed. Our economy has given us the leverage that the president needed to actually go to war economically with trade with China and win. The president can walk away from the table with this number. In the end, the Chinese are going to have to put jobs here. Couldn't agree more. Again, Iraqi TV saying now the head of of Iran's uh, elite fighting force and deputy head of Iraq's parliamentary force killed in an attack at Baghdad Airport, apparently what we've been told is a drone strike. This is massive news coming out of Iraq. But Iran's military commander has been killed uh, inside of Iraq at their airport in Baghdad. That's huge. Well done to our men and women for pulling that one off. Let me get to your phone calls. one 
Uh, Let me go next to, let me go to Richard. Thanks. You are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in with some amazing breaking news. The head of Iraq's elite fighting force and the deputy head of Iraq's parliamentary forces killed in an attack at the Baghdad airport. Uh, I'll get your reaction to that first and foremost. Uh, It's real sad, isn't it? It just breaks my ever-living heart. I'm a Vietnam veteran, so keep 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 shooting at them get, if they threaten us take them out it's a piece of I, I was an air force guy so not the combat guy towed the gun whatever that stuff but still a veteran and proud of our american forces everywhere that they are amen uh, to that but what i'm calling about the trump derangement thing has been i kind of been following donald trump for at least 25 years maybe 30 what an interesting character just really an interesting character. I saw him testify before Congress probably 15 years ago about the U.N. building. They want, the Congress wanted to know what his opinion was on the construction on Manhattan Island. and Just an interesting character. So when all this derangement stuff started, literally the day he announced, I'm thinking, what is, what is the, what's going on with this? Can you help me with that? I cannot figure out for the life of me what What's the what's the logic? I mean, what's all the dislike for this guy? He's blustery, yeah, but they hate him because he's doing what they said he was going to do, and it's taking away the power of the Democratic Party. And the Democrats need people to be suffering. The Democratic Party needs people to be hurting. They need people to live in poverty, so they're so dependent on the government for for everything, so they can keep getting reelected. People that's the that truth. Than that, and I, I just don't. Well, so I mean, well, again, go to go back work. to just go back to Joe Biden, okay, Mr. Producer. Hit hit play again. L- again, listen to this one more time. It is a perfect uh, encompassing of what I was saying earlier. Joe Biden is out there selling this delusion, and no one will call him out in the media for it. Here it is again. The economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. That's just not true. It's an idiot. I mean, I just, sorry, you know. Go home, Joe. Leave it alone. Uh, bless his heart, he just did it. Maybe he wants to be president. I don't know what he wants to do. But, I, but I, for the life of me, I mean, when Trump announced, I was on board because, great, we got a businessman. Maybe he can get some stuff done. Nobody knew whether he could or couldn't at the time. But he has. Yeah. So, but, I, but I still people, I don't like Donald Trump. Why? Well, they can't really tell me. Is there anything that you can tell me that will help me figure this out? They, they, again, he is a threat to their power structure. The left is, is, is in, basically, it's, I call it modern-day slavery. The left is dependent on putting people into poverty, and they need them to stay there to keep their power so they can say, you have to vote for me or you're not going to get your government aid. It's modern-day slavery. Keep people down on purpose. Keep them dependent on you for their survival. Don't empower them. Whatever you do, don't empower them. That is what the Democratic Party is, plain and simple. Even That's my how Democrat they are pretty smart. They they do the spin and do the name calling, but and it's not working. This name yeah. calling, all it is, is name calling. Most smart people, you don't even have to be that smart to figure it out. Yeah, Richard, thank you, sir. Appreciate the phone call. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. One eight seven seven. Three eight one thirty eight eleven. Let me go to Jeff. You are on the Mark Levin show with this big breaking news. Head of Iran's elite forces 
killed in an airstrike at Baghdad Airport. Uh, I have no doubt Iran will, will respond in some way, but this is a huge, huge blow to Iran's leadership uh, and one that, that I'm glad happened because this is the guy that's been orchestrating the killing of Americans. Are you with me? I got you now. Uh, Go ahead. I definitely uh, agree with what Richard was saying, and I also am a part of that Vietnam generation. But uh, I have to say, with Iran, what took so long? But I'm glad we are getting the job done. And uh, I think that regarding what's going on in the big picture, we're seeing desperate Democrats playing vicious political theater. This is raw, nasty politics on full display because their backs are against the wall here. If they don't pull this off and sway enough people so they regain power, then they cannot shut down these investigations. And it is every day revealing very dirty, nefarious acts by people at all levels of government. So, you know, I hope Trump stays in here, uh, certainly supporting him. But uh, if, if we had an objective archivist at the Library of Congress I think they would have to file everything that the Democrats are saying under fiction. <laughs> it's just so ludicrous. Yeah, well, get ready, because they're going to now be saying that Donald Trump put us in danger, put Americans in danger, because we killed the head of Iran's top elite forces tonight. So just be ready for that, because that's what they're going to say next. They're going to attack the president for being proactive and killing someone that's been helping kill Americans uh, for decades and, and, and helping smuggle in ISIS and other extremist Islamic fighters. This is, they're, they're going to come out and they're going to tell you that Donald Trump's foreign policy is now going to put American lives at risk because Iran will respond. Uh, and that's how they're going to spin this tonight. So I, I'm telling you at a time, here is the spin. This is how they're going to do it. Thank you, brother. Good to talk to you. One eight seven seven three eight one thirty eight eleven. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Love to keep up with you. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show, during the break. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it's certainly a great way to start the new year when it comes to foreign policy. Uh, It's being reported now by Iraqi TV that the top Iranian commander, has been killed in an airstrike in Baghdad. That's right, Iraqi TV and three Iraqi officials have said that General Qasim Soleimani, the head of Iran's elite force, uh, the Quds force, has been killed in an airstrike at Baghdad's international airport. That is in Iraq. The officials said that the strike also killed the deputy commander of the Iran-backed militias known as the Popular Mobilization Forces. Their deaths are a potential turning point in the Middle East and are expected to draw severe retaliation from Iran and the forces it backs in the Middle East against Israel and American interests. Now, the PMF blamed the United States for an attack at Baghdad International Airport, saying that it was a done from an airstrike. Uh, uh, look, Donald Trump said, you come after Americans, this contractor and others, we're not playing around, and that's exactly what has happened. We're not playing around. We're not playing around at all. And I think it's brilliant, and I love it. I want to get to your phone calls, one 381 Let me go to Douglas in Brooklyn. You are on the Mark Levin Show. Ben Ferguson filling in for the great one. Hi. 
Oh, hi, Ben. How you doing? I like your show. I like your show. Uh, I'm really not a national security expert, but a, a couple of things I want to say. If you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. I think that Trump, Trump did the right thing. And the other point I wanted to make is this is a country where within their government, they chant death to America. Okay? They openly chant it. And that can't be ignored. You've never seen any of our government officials say death to Iran. We don't do that. Right. No, we don't. We don't. But I mean, and look, I I just during the break, I I was literally texting with a a Middle East, basically an expert, a good friend of mine that works in the military and and has spent countless years in the Middle East uh, dealing with American foreign policy. And I said, I asked him, I said, hey, man, how significant is this? And he said, this is of massive proportions and will strike fear through the heart of the Iranians leadership. The fact that he was clearly trying to be in Baghdad, you know, secretly and felt like he could sneak in there and was comfortable enough to sneak in there and was trying to pull this off with this meeting in Iraq. Uh, and then for this to happen and for them to get blown up at the airport is huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, what is he doing in Iraq anyway? Yeah. Well, he would, look, I mean, it's it's clear what he was doing. He was there meeting with uh, these, you know, the everybody knew that these attacks on the American embassy was not Iraqi-born attacks. This is Iranian-backed attacks. This is orchestrated by the Iranians. Now it's very clear this guy was in Iraq helping orchestrate these attacks on America's embassy uh, and working with these fighters that have come in from Iran. And he was in, in Iraq doing this at the airport. I mean, God bless America. That's what I can say about that. Douglas, thank you, brother. Great to talk to you. And to our men and women in uniform over there serving this country, God bless you. That's all I can say about that. God bless you. I'm out of time. Thanks for joining me. The Great will be back with you soon. Love to keep up with you. Follow me on Twitter, Ben Ferguson Show, and on Facebook, Ben Ferguson Show. Thanks to Mark for letting me fill in. I'll see you back here soon.